0: Amen. Well, hey, listen, what is global impact? Well, this is just about our part as a church making sure to send missionaries and go as missionaries into this world. And, you know, this year, Chris and I um, let you guys know that we felt that the theme for this year is on mission. And so we believe that God's just gonna use this series to continue to drive that word into your heart to help us to understand that God has called us to be on mission for him. You know, um, you know, Chris and I are not interested in just having butts in the seats in this church. I hope you don't mind me saying butt in church. But we believe in making disciples that are gonna go and share the gospel with the world. And so today, the message that we're gonna share about today, the title is A Heart for the mission. Somebody say heart. Heart. You know, we're going to look at Luke 4, verse 14 through 20, and we're going to look for signs about God's heart for the mission. And just a little bit of context before I get into this passage. Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist. He's... His public ministry is emerging for the very first time. Nobody had seen any miracles by him, but here we are, Jesus is baptized and, and the scripture says that he went to the desert and he actually fasted for 40 days as God began to prepare him for his public ministry and his public work. And here's where we find ourselves: Jesus emerging from the desert. Verse 14, 14, it says this, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. To Galilee. And a report about him went throughout all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And it was his custom. And he went to the synagogues on the Sabbath day. And he would stand up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. So Jesus unrolls the scroll and finds a place where these words are written, and here's what he reads, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, and I just want to pause for a moment. Jesus is about to unleash the greatest prophetic fulfillment of God's word that any one of us have ever heard, and definitely the Jews in the time that this was written, and the time that Jesus read these words. And he was coming to announce to the world that the anointed one that you have been being told about in your scripture for hundreds of years, the anointed one is right in front of you. I am he. And so Jesus begins to teach them some things. And as we read what he teaches, I want to make sure that we hear with proper ears. I think it's important for us to understand how many know that Jesus cares about spiritual things. Yes, he cares about physical things. But he cares more about spiritual things because our spiritual condition dictates our physical condition. That's why if you're sick spiritually, you can actually be sick physically in your body. So Jesus wants to take care of our spiritual conditions. And the challenge was is that the audience, the people in the synagogue, the Jews and some of the religious Pharisees, they were very outward focused. They weren't spiritually minded people. They were very outward driven. And so they were very driven by trying to fulfill the laws of the old. Testament and uh, some of them actually thought that they were really good at it how many know they really weren't that great at it but they thought they were really good at it and they were very concerned with their outward appearance that the community when they saw them they they would see them and go oh wow look at their great acts of worship look at how well they follow the law of Moses and and they were just concerned about the outward appearance and here Jesus comes and he actually does not speak to the outward condition of man He begins to speak to the spiritual condition of man. And so because of that, as we read, I want to make sure that we listen with spiritual ears. And it's interesting. It reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew 23 when he was talking to the Pharisees. He actually said this. He said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, you are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. You see, Jesus wasn't paying attention to the outward, he was looking at the inward, unclean part of their heart, the the dead part of their heart, and and he was saying to them, you look as nice as a beautiful built mausoleum in a cemetery, all engraved, and maybe just freshly washed off, whitewashed off. You look so great on the outside, but on the inside, you're dead. (laughs) So Jesus comes to speak to the dead. And what did he say? Here's what he says in verse 18. He says, I've been anointed and I've come to do this. The fathers had anointed me to come and proclaim the good news to the poor. And I wanna address two things in our message today. The first thing I want us to do is this. I want us to discern God's heart for the mission. And you have fill in the blanks in front of you. You can also download the notes in the church center app. He said, I want us to discern the heart for the mission. And what is the Father's heart for the mission? In your notes, I notice that Jesus has a heart for the poor. He says it right here. Now remember, we're not reading with natural eyes. We're paying attention with spiritual eyes because Jesus is talking about a spiritual condition. He's not talking about blind people. He's, poor people, he's talking about people who are poor of spirit, people who are dead in their heart. They're spiritually bankrupt, meaning that they have no future in heaven with the Father. They're lost and they're in need of saving grace. And here he is before the most religious community that is on the planet earth. And he says, you are spiritually poor. And they thought they were rich. Oh they thought they had it going on. They, they thought they had something that was gonna help people when in fact, they were actually dead. And Jesus says, I come with a message that's gonna bring you life. As we continue to read in in verse 18b, why else has the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus? Well, not only uh, because Jesus has a heart for the poor, the next thing Jesus says is this. Jesus says, speaking of his father, he says, the father has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovering of the sights to the blind. Was Jesus looking for all the blind people so that he can heal them so that they could see? Oh, he did some of that. But what was he saying? Well, I think in your notes, I noticed that he has a heart for the blind. But not for the blind in the way that we might think, but for the spiritually blind. Blind. See, when, when you can't see the love of the Father that he declares over our life, when you can't see that in Christ you're fully approved, then we run around living our life trying to find the approval that we already have in the Father. And we run around trying to work hard for him to get his attention, to get him to love us when he already loves us. But what's wrong? We're spiritually blind. We cannot see. And here these Jews were spiritually blind and and Jesus says, I have come to free you from your blindness. I'm reminded of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 14 and 15. Jesus is speaking about the religious Jews and he, he says this, he says, but their minds were hardened. How were their minds hardened? He says this, for to this day, Whenever they, the Jews, the religious Jews, and anybody for that matter, would read the Old Covenant, that would be speaking of the Ten Commandments and the law, whenever they read the Old Covenant, the Covenant of Works, the same veil remains up unlifted because it can only be lifted through Christ. See, the veil is only taken away through Jesus, and he goes on and says, yes, to this day, whenever the law of Moses is read, it puts a veil over Jesus their hearts and they cannot see and you might say Why does it appear that Scripture is saying that the Old Covenant is bad? Well, Scripture doesn't, in fact, at all say that the Old Covenant is bad. In fact, the Old Covenant is good. Scripture just describes that when it is read, it hardens the heart of man because we could see it throughout the lives of the Israelites and the Pharisees that it hardened their heart and it brought pride among them as they thought they were doing something really significant when they really weren't doing anything all that great at all. Somebody once said this, He said this about the law, the law is not a ladder to success, rather, it's a fast track to failure. Galatians describes that the law is designed to put a weight on humanity, to humble man and to shut down his pride and point him to his need, which is Jesus. And whenever you try to follow the law, you will find yourself humbled because you can't do it. But there's one man who came on this planet and followed the law perfectly, and his name is Jesus. Jesus finishes off this reading in verse 18 by saying, the Father has also sent me to set at liberty those who are oppressed. How many know that the law continues to heap on, do more? Be more, work more, try more, and it's never enough and the burden is heavy. How many know Jesus says, my yoke is actually easy and my burden is light? And while religion tries to pile on the burden of works, Jesus comes and he is just lifting off the burden of us. He says, I come to set liberty those who are oppressed, The law was heavy for the Jews. Verse 19, Jesus says something so powerful. He says, he finishes off this talk and he says, I have come also to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when he's done saying that, the Bible says that he rolls up the scroll of Isaiah, he hands it back to the attendant and he sits down. And all of the eyes of the people that came to hear Jesus that day, it says their eyes were just fixed on him. I mean, he was bringing a message of liberty and freedom that they had never heard. This was a mic-dropping moment. What did he mean when he stood up and said, oh, this is the year of the Lord's favor? If you understand the Jewish culture, the year of the Lord's favor is about the year of Jubilee. Uh, the Jews would celebrate something called the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, every Jew who had debt, how many of you, well, don't raise your hand. If you have any financial debt in the house, I got some debt, I, I, got, I got a house and that's about it. I, I do pay for a car note, you know, you're not, you know, it's not always great to do that, but I do that. I got no credit card debt, thank God. But people have a bunch of debt. He says, on the year of Jubilee, every 50 years, everybody with any ounce of debt, they're set free from their debt. Wow. How many would like that? Somebody say amen. Bring it on. And every 50 years, there was a whole lot of other things happen. But every slave that was enslaved by a master every 50 years, that slave would be set free. And he would be liberated. Now, remember... Jesus didn't come to speak a message in the natural. He came to speak a message in the supernatural. And everything that we recognize in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, there are spiritual implications to everything if we notice them. And here the spiritual implication of the year of Jubilee was not about setting physical, natural slaves free. And it was not about a natural debt of finances being free. He came and he said, It is the year of the Lord's favor. You are in debt up to your ears because of the sin that you have committed. And he says, today is the year of the favor of the Lord. It is your year of Jubilee. You are free. And I'm going to tell you something, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have experienced jubilee because you are free. How many know that is really, really good news? And no matter how hard you tried to work to accomplish your freedom, you could not do it. He had to come and declare jubilee over you because you couldn't have jubilee without him. When we look at the heart of our father, we, we see the heart of the father as a... Is As ascending God He he's an amazing God and 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 we saw that the father has a, a heart for the poor and the blind the, the second thing I want us to notice in our notes today is this I would like us to discern our heart for the mission what is your heart for the mission like we, we saw that the father comes to bring liberty to the spiritually blind and the and the captive and and those who are in bondage but but when you look and you search your own heart is the Father's heart recognizing you? You know, did you know that um, when a child is raised up in a home, they emulate their parents and your parents make food for you, right? And, and that's why like you love beans and rice and tortillas because that's mostly what your parents fed you, right? And then if you grew up in a home like mine, I'm sorry, we didn't always have beans and rice but so we had fried chicken and potatoes and we had oaky tacos, you know, we did that and my, my taste buds, so we love those type of things, right? Because I grew up in my father's house, so I'm like my parents. And in your home, um, if the spiritual temperament in your home is death, then as a son or daughter of that home, you're, you're going to have death in you. Right. If the temperature in your home is chaos, here's what happens. A child who grows up in chaos, you pick a child up you take them out of chaos, dysfunction and trauma, and then you stick them in a peaceful home. That happens a lot in foster care and adoption. And you think that that new peaceful home is just going to be so wonderful for them, but they only know how to function in chaos. so in order for them to feel comfortable in that environment, they have to turn it to chaos. And you're thinking, what's wrong? Well, it's their comfort zone. That's what they're used to. Um, They're like their father. (laughs) They're like their mother. Um, I was riding uh, bikes with a friend, a couple weeks ago, Chad Ryder, he goes to our church. And uh, it, was, it was right before we were going to have baptism. And his son, Leland, five years old, got baptized last week. I mean, it was, it was so amazing. And, but Chad was telling me um, on the bike ride, he said, man, my son is so, Leland is so excited about baptism. And, and he was telling me, Joni had him. His wife listened to all the kids' videos that we, that we put up for our kids so they can learn about baptism. And he said, but, but Leland, five years old, you know, my wife wasn't satisfied with just the kids' video. We sat him down. We put the fill in the blanks in front of him. And he listened to the adult teaching on water baptism. And Leland can tell you everything that water baptism represents and why he wants to be baptized and how he has been saved and how he's set apart for Jesus and he wants to be baptized to represent that. And then he began to tell his dad, how he feels called to missions, five years old. That doesn't surprise me at all. Because if you know his parents, Leland emulates the home that he grew up in because his parents live on mission every day. They are amazing people. What does our heart look like? Does it reflect the Father? The first thing I would like us to consider as, as we look at our heart is do we have a heart to send in your notes? Because in in verse 18 of our passage, Jesus said, the Father sent me. He he sent me to go. And so do we emulate the Father's heart and send people to go on mission? Send people to go around the world. Send people to go places that, that we will never go ourselves. See, this is why we challenge our church every year to significantly give to missions. And and I'll tell you what, we don't take a ton of uh, extra offerings around here at the Grace Place and we don't like nose punch people and twist anybody's arm. In fact, around here at the Grace Place, we love cheerful givers. How many of you like cheerful gifts? Hey man, you like someone to be happy, like check out this present, rather than being like. God loves a cheerful giver, but we challenge you during Global Impact to give sacrificially. We just ask you to look and search in your heart to see what you can give to Jesus. And because of what you give, this year, this last year in 2023, our little church, look around, our little church was able to give $256,551 to send people on the mission field. I mean i'm so blown away at what god does through the people of this house it's you i mean look at the person next to you it's you it's not anybody else it's you you have done this with the help of god and because of that we send 136 missionaries and organizations out on mission every month 136 people get a check in their account so that they don't have to come back home to raise support but they could stay out and be on mission and you do that because of what God has worked in your heart. How many think we should give honor where honor is due and just thank the Lord? Lord, we just thank you for that, God. And we're humbled, God, that you use us in such a powerful way. And I just, I can't move past this moment without thinking of my father-in-law. You know, 20 years ago, this church, the doors of this church were almost closed. But he knew God had another plan. He, He knew that, Julia needed a church home to grow up in and develop her calling and and he knew that John and his wife needed a place to come and be healed from a ministry hurt. He knew that Roger and Rochelle were gonna get married and they needed a place to build a family and have kids and develop their calling and a place to invite their co-workers to come and hear the gospel. He knew all that. So my father-in-law the first thing our church needs to do, we're we're dying. We can't pay the bills. We need to start giving to missions. And because of what he has put in the heart of this church over the last 20 years, it's not his heart. He's put the heart of God into this house. And this house represents the heart of God because of his heart for missions. And I just want to encourage you, if you know him, just take a moment this week, today, just shoot him a text and say, thank you for helping me to develop a heart for missions. Would you do that for me? See, because of missions, we get to partner with people all over the world. I wanna tell you about 10 of our partners. One of them is is this. We get to share God's word all over the world through partners like the Fire Bible and Wycliffe Bible. You know, it's amazing when you think about it, a lot of these unreached people groups that we're talking about today, they don't have the Bible. I mean, you got five Bibles in your home and some of you are like, I don't even read my Bible, but you got five of them. You never even look at it. And these guys have no scripture, but somebody came along and, and somebody started passing pages of a Bible out to the people in the community and an and, and, and individual gets like four pages of the book of Ephesians and, and he starts reading it and, and God just wrecks his soul and visits him in his dreams and he, he comes to faith in Christ and he feels a call to go out and spread this good news. So he begins to spread the news and he becomes a pastor off of four ripped pages out of a Bible. And how many of you know, though, that you don't really have a holistic picture of the gospel if you just have four pages of the Bible? And so as this pastor begins to teach, it's unbalanced and it's it's out of context because it's missing so much of the full picture of the gospel. So the Fire Bible comes and they translate scripture in languages that people can understand and they put commentary in there that help people to understand what it's like to follow God using their native language understanding scripture. It is almost like teaching and training for pastors. It's got Pentecostal commentary in there because we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe it empowers the local church to spread the gospel throughout the world, and fire Bibles are going all over the world. In fact, right now, I think there's over like 15 translations right now in progress that they're, they're, they're putting together, and they're just constantly being released all the time. We have partners that defend the orphan. We believe in orphan care here at the Grace Place. Uh, We partner with Pleasant Hills Children's Home. And they take kids into their home, orphans who don't have families. They take families who are about to break up and single moms who are about to lose control and kids get thrown into the foster care system. But rather than that happen, they're also on the preventative side and they bring families into the home and, and they rehabilitate these families so that they can go and stand up on their own. We have other partners like the 35K campaign. Uh, Leland, the young man who got baptized earlier, his mom and dad are the directors of the 35K campaign. They raise for people who are trying to adopt kids. And so they do incredible things all year long to help families adopt kids. And there are orphan care directors as well. And we are just so proud and grateful to have them here. Some of our partners plant churches. Next week, a good friend of mine, uh, Ryan, is gonna be coming with an organization called Movement International. He is one of the most humble-hearted dudes I know. And they are planting hundreds, that's not an exaggeration, hundreds of churches all over in unreached people groups. It is unbelievable. And so I can't wait for you to meet him next week. And Planning Church is also the Grace place over the last several years. We've planted, helped plant significantly three different churches in the area. And one of our big projects this year is helping to plant undefeated church. They just launched last week. They had their very first launch Sunday, launched with over 80 people. I mean, it is so incredible what God is doing through the oars are right here uh, in ULIS. So we're gonna be giving to that. You'll hear more about that next week. And we have partners that care for needs. How many of you know that just talking about the gospel is one thing, but showing the gospel is a whole nother thing? One of our partners, Conway of Hope, I'm telling you, everywhere there's a natural disaster, everywhere there's a war, everywhere there's hunger, Convoy of Hope shows up. You will you will see them all over the world. They're one of the first responders right, right alongside people like the Red Cross who move right into a community to help help uh, with rescue efforts. They come and bring, um, bring supplies into communities. They bring food, do food distribution in communities and, and help with shelter and help with all kinds of incredible things. They do amazing things in places where War torn countries, they, they have sent so many supplies into, into Ukraine and into Israel. It's just been unbelievable. And you get to be a part of that because you give to missions. One of our partners uh, is a local partner, the, the uh, Women's Metroplex Clinic. In fact, um, one of our members is uh, in, in leadership over there at this organization. And this organization gives free sonograms to moms. And they offer prayer, and they offer counseling to moms to help them to see that they don't just have a a fetus in their womb, but they have life in their womb. They have a baby in their womb. And it's amazing to see how many people decide to cancel. This organization, let me be clear, does not offer abortions, but these moms come for services and counseling. And how many women change their mind about what they want to do with the baby in their belly? And I'm telling you something, I have only listed off 10 of our partners. We have 136 partners that are doing equally amazing things all around the world. So we're looking in our heart and we're saying, God, do, it, do I see in my heart the, the heart of the Father to send? And lastly, today, as I close, I want to ask you if you see in your heart, in your notes, the heart to go. You know, John says this in 1 John 4 and 17. As he is in the world, that's Jesus. So are we. Same life that we saw Jesus live, so are we to live. So are we empowered to live. Jesus was anointed to proclaim freedom to the captives. We're anointed to proclaim freedom to the captives. He's anointed To bring sight to the blind, you're anointed to bring sight to the blind. This is not a message that's reserved for pastors or leaders or people with a special calling. This is a message for people who are disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's people in this room have made Jesus their personal Lord and Savior.